At One Hour Air Conditioning and Heating, our trained comfort specialists are here to help improve the air quality of your home. So call 855-1HOUR or visit onehourair.com. Always on time or you don't pay Independently owned and operated. Licensed in their respective state or county. Hi, I'm Renee Summer, our digital news anchor here at 7 at 7. Watch our streaming nonstop newscast immediately with your mobile phone. 7 at 7 is the new way for you to get every bit of local news you need in just seven minutes. Breaking news, local neighborhood news, weather and sports are just a click away. Reporters bring you all of what's happening in the Valley. From Roku, Amazon Fire, Apple TV, YouTube and more. Get every bit of local news you need from the RJ and LVRJ.com. What is up, hockey fans? This is the Golden Edge Podcast, the podcast for the Las Vegas Review Journal. Talks about hockey and some interesting games that happen in this crazy sport. I am Ben Goats, one of your Review Journal Golden Knights beat writers. Joining me, as he always does, on the other line is my colleague, Dave Shane. Dave, how are you hanging this fine uh, Tuesday afternoon? Uh, good. I'm still getting used to driving my car uh, again after, you know, cruising around the boat for a weekend in uh, in Arizona. But uh, yeah, everything is good. Everything's cool. How about you? You know, things are good. Uh, Dave's referring to uh, the lovely boat that the two of us, uh, you know, took to Arizona this past weekend to watch the Golden Knights back to back against the Coyotes. It was uh, a lot of fun. It was interesting. It was my first road games of the season. So I I like to think we had a pretty good time and I want uh, to share some stories from that trip. Uh, But We also have a lot of other things to talk about on this podcast. We're going to talk about uh, the night's loss uh, yesterday, Monday, as we're recording this, to the Minnesota Wild and the implications that it has on the rest of the playoff picture. We also have to talk about a uh, very important and interesting NHL debut that happened in that game for the Knights. Uh, And, of course, we're going to talk about Marc-Andre Fleury, who just keeps attacking and moving up that old NHL record book, and he is on the verge of doing something very, very historic. But before we get to all of that, I want to remind everyone that the Golden Edge podcast is sponsored by One Hour Air Conditioning and Heating. We are also presented by Blue Wire Podcasts. Um, Also, if you guys could check out all our written work at ReviewJournal.com, that would be much appreciated. And, of course, if you guys could rate, review, subscribe, whatever you do to podcasts, Please do to this one. We would very much respect it and thank you for it. Uh, So to start off, we're going to talk about last night's game that we witnessed. Uh, I like to think that on this podcast, since we usually do weekly episodes, we're not always like totally prisoner of the moment with these things. But I do feel like we have to spend some time uh, breaking last night's game down. So the Knights were up uh, two to one. 4-2, 4-2, and then later 5-3 to three on the road against Minnesota. But they lost in regulation after the Wild scored two goals in the final two minutes. Uh, those goals came just 26 seconds apart. Uh, rookie sensation Kirill Kaprizov got the first one, and then defensivist Jonas Brodin got the second one. Uh, meanwhile, it was a great night if you were scoreboard watching. Uh, the Colorado Avalanche were trailing the San Jose Sharks, a uh, three to one 
in their game and later 4-2. So if you're a Knights fans for a while there, you're thinking, well, we dropped those two points, but at least it's not going to come back to haunt us because Colorado's dropping some points as well. No, the Avalanche rallied. They tied the game in regulation. They won 5-4 in overtime. And what that means is that the Knights, who entered Monday with a four-point lead in the West Division with six games left, now are only two points up on Colorado with five games remaining. Uh, Colorado also has a game in hand, which would come in handy. And so uh, if you're curious, you know, exactly how that kind of reshapes to the division race and why that loss in particular was so important yesterday, uh, I checked uh, before last night's game, uh, the website moneypuck.com gave the Knights a 68% chance of winning the West division, uh, which makes sense. Four point lead, only six games left, even with the game in hand that Colorado has pretty comfortable. Well, now the Knights have a 42% chance of winning the division and Colorado is favored at 56%. So it was a wild swing in the odds. Dave, from your perspective, what happened there? Well, I jinxed it by sending out a tweet uh, for one thing. Uh, and like, clearly we're not going to like blame me or, you know, I think we are. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe. But okay. Well, let's not make this about me entirely. Cause you know, it's not, but I think the one thing that stood out to me was the first person that came out for the media availability was Robin Leonard and Robin Leonard faced the music last night that he didn't make enough saves. And you know, every once in a while, as he said, that's going to happen where your goalie is just going to, you know, have a bad night and not be able to get it done. And that's pretty much what it was about. He was spilling rebounds all over the place. And if we're going to take some of the blame off Robin Leonard, it's that the Knights didn't do a good job in front of him, whether it was defenseman's defenseman tying people up and forwards coming back to clear the puck or vice versa, whatever it might be. You know, those goals were consistently, you know, in the first first period, you know, Robin Leonard drops a shot. I mean, basically E6, you know, on a line drive to shortstop. And Nick Benino's right there to basically one-handed in. You know, now that's on Robin Leonard. But, you know, those are also the types of things that continually happen in that game. And then going forward, kind of, as we're going to talk about a little bit, those are the things that continually seem to happen against the Wild. So... You know, I think the easy thing and, you know, I'm probably as guilty of it as anybody because I asked a question about it last, you know, last night after the game. But, you know, to go back to the tweet, they were playing a phenomenal road period in the third period for 10 minutes. They were doing everything right. And then for the most part, even after giving up the goal that made it five to four, they were still pretty much in control until the last couple minutes. And what I thought was interesting was the comments Mark Stone made afterward about, you know, needing to handle the momentum swings better. You know, those are the lessons that they can take from that game, from the regular season, you know, into the playoffs. Those are lessons that they, you know, should have already learned and, and should have learned last postseason though as well. I'm always the, try to be the pragmatic, it's only one game type person. But what's alarming with all of this is just the timing. 
and I think the opponent and knowing the urgency at the end of the season here that you're trying to close out, you know, a division title and, and, a, and a number one seed. And, you know, as Robin Leonard and some of those guys said, Pete DeBoer, you know, alluded to it. Those are the losses you can't have. Those are the inexcusable ones. Yeah, there's a lot of just interesting factors going on with that game, as you said, where maybe you kind of flush it, skate by it or whatever in February of this season. But when it happens uh, this late and you know that you're trying to, you know, hold on to first with Colorado charging, who, you know, Pete DeBoer kind of reiterated uh, today, like we just don't think Colorado is going to lose the rest of the regular season except for the game that they have against us because uh, other than playing the Knights one more time, Colorado plays San Jose and L.A. Uh, San Jose with the loss last night was eliminated from the postseason. I don't have it in front of me uh, specifically if L.A. has been eliminated. If they haven't been officially, that's coming soon because the Blues are pretty close to putting a wrap on it. So... Uh, the Kings are not, or the Avalanche are not exactly going to be playing motivated opponents down the stretch where the Knights still have one game left against the Wild. They have two games left against the Blues, who, as I said, are getting close to clinching, but it's possible by the time that back-to-back happens Friday and Saturday at T-Mobile Arena that the Blues haven't yet, and they're pushing to do it. And the Knights have one more against Colorado. So the schedule certainly doesn't super set up well for them, which is why Colorado is slightly favored right now. And then there's the whole Minnesota angle of it where the XL Energy Center has just been a crazy house of horrors for the Knights. Uh, As a reminder for those that I'm sure know the history but maybe don't know the numbers behind it, uh, the Wild are 5-1-1 against the Knights this season. Minnesota is also 6-0-1 all-time against the Knights at XL Energy Center, including 3-0 this season. Uh, The irony, of course, of last night's game is that uh, by losing to the Wild, the Knights are now more likely to play them in the first round because uh, Minnesota is pretty close to locked in into the three spot in the West. There's a slight chance they could rise above. They're actually not too far behind the Knights with an even number of games played, but that's a little bit more unlikely. Um, but it sure seems like, you know, with that win, it becomes more of a strong possibility that these two teams could meet in the first round of the playoffs. And uh, if that happens, Dave, how much do we read into the season series to date? How much of it is just a you know coincidence that the games have gone this way? How much is it a bad matchup just for the Knights? Or how much is it just in their heads that this is an opponent that they struggle to beat? So let me go back real quick to your earlier comment about the Kings, because I'll help you out here. They have 46 points with 60, or excuse me, with 50 games played. Uh, St. Louis has 55 points with 50 games played. So quick math, Los Angeles would have six games remaining, can get 12 points. That would put them at 58. So they're still alive. Real quick, if my 
if my math and my uh, magic point numbers and all that sort of thing is is correct. So just to to help you out a little bit there, because you always bail me out on these uh, on these podcasts when I don't have stuff in front of me. I appreciate um, it. And then yeah, the Avalanche and the Kings play each other uh, Friday and Saturday, so it's it's possible by the time that those games happen that the Kings have been eliminated at that point. Right. So here we go. So back to back to as far as the wild and I'll tease this a little bit when I'm done with this podcast, I have to finish up my story about all this stuff. So if you've got suggestions for my story, Ben, I'm all ears because yeah, that's sort of seems to be the, the topic or, or, you know, the, the issue right now is how much of this, you know, is something to worry about how much of this is sort of just regular season, you know, bounces and and weird sort of, you know, Max Pacioretty being out of the lineup and circumstance and all of those sorts of things. And that, and that seems to be what Jonathan Marcheseau was sort of alluding to um, with, you know, his comments that, you know, hey, if we meet them, you know, I'm pretty confident, you know, playoffs are, you know, a different, different animal, so to speak. So, uh, you know, th- this is a long going thing, though, like we've talked about, right? I mean, this isn't just a this year thing with Minnesota. This is a, I don't know, it's a green jersey thing or something. Um, and like you said, it's especially, you know, in Minnesota that the one game that they've won was a shootout October 6, 2018, when I think it was Max Pacioretty who scored late and then Eric Howla, uh, former Minnesota Wild Eric Howla. It was a revenge <laughs> game. Yeah, scored in the uh, scored in the shootout. So, you know, this is this is sort of a history and and what I think what where I really think is especially big with Wednesday is I don't think it's necessarily in their heads right now, but you go out and you, depending what happens tomorrow as we record this, then all of a sudden maybe it does get in your head. And then maybe all of a sudden you do start thinking about, oh shoot, you know, we do have to play these guys in the playoffs and we haven't done very well against them. And, you know, what's that mean? And what happens if we, you know, have a game early on where we struggle to score goals? You know, all those those sorts of things. You know, are we looking at a Dallas scenario, you know, from the bubble or, or anything like that? So I, I think Wednesday's a big game in the sense that I think they need to prove to themselves that they can get to the finish line against them. Because that seems to also kind of be, you know, the issue a little bit here is, you know, Getting a lead, doing all the things for 50-something minutes or whatever they need to do to get there and then not being able to to finish against Minnesota. And and obviously, we saw that Monday. So if that's something that they can learn and correct, then, then yeah, maybe if they do see him in the postseason, you know, it's it's not as bad a matchup as we're making it out to be. But for right now, it, it definitely feels like a thing, right? Yeah, it does. And it's so fascinating, right? Because... This has been a trend that's obviously been going on the night's entire history in terms of struggling with the Wild, uh, despite the fact that obviously both teams have just changed so much over the years. I mean, even um, this season, Robin Leonard was talking about it after the game about how, you know, the Wild are always a big, heavy team, but they've added some, you know, real skill to that. And you've seen, you know, Kapril Kaprizov is probably going to win the Calder for Rookie of the Year, uh, Kevin Fiala who has really come on strong kind of the last two seasons, uh, you know, scored a goal last night. He's been a big boost for them. Their goaltending tandem is completely different this year with uh, the Knights have mainly seen Cam Talbot, but uh, Kapokokkanen, I think, won the first two games that they played at XL Energy Center. 
So it's just fascinating how that trend continues. And then uh, the last thing I'll quick say on this kind of to go back to, you know, it's just crazy that it's happening right before the playoffs come around is it is interesting to me that the exact inverse of this game almost happened at T-Mobile Arena in the team's first matchup of the season, where uh, if people remember, it was the Knights who were trailing, entering the third period, four to two, and the Wild for the first you know ten or so minutes of that period played a really good road game in terms of it was low event. They're keeping the Knights to the outside. There weren't a lot of shots getting through. It was frankly pretty boring, which is exactly what Minnesota wanted. And I think halfway through. The third that night, just like I think we we're all kind of saying to each other uh, last night, it was like, well, really good job of uh, locking it down by the team that's leading. And then, of course, what happened in that uh, first matchup is that Nick Hag gets a goal. All of a sudden, the Knights get some confidence. They get some mojo. They get rolling. And then they just dominate the last five minutes of that game and put so much pressure on the Wild until finally, I believe it's Alex Tuck, of course, another a former wild player ties it. The Knights go on to win in overtime and they kind of snatch uh, two points where it looked like for most of that game that they deserved none. And of course, like I said, the opposite happens last night where the Wilds kind of steal those two points. Uh, the big difference being they stole both points in regulation because once they grabbed the uh, momentum off the Kaprizov uh, tying goal, they immediately go down and get the winning goal from Jonas Brodeen. Um, so we'll have to see whether they keep uh, playing these types of games in the playoffs. But, you know, these types of games certainly happen. Like I said, the Wild had it happen to them not that long ago, and they righted the ship. It's just the timing obviously makes it more fascinating. Uh, but let's talk about something else that was really interesting from last night's game, and that's the fact that we saw Peyton Krebs in an NHL game for the first time in his career uh, for those that need a refresher on who Peyton Krebs is, he was the Knights' first-round pick, 17th overall in 2019. He was actually projected to go higher in that draft, but he tore or partially tore his Achilles tendon in a pre-draft workout, um, so that kind of caused him to fall a little bit. He actually, you know, was not uh, exactly you know walking normally when he went up on the stage to kind of uh, celebrate the fact that he had just gotten picked. But uh, he rehabbed, he worked at it, and he turned himself into you know one of the top prospects in the NHL. And then the 20-year-old center also got his first NHL point on just his fourth shift because he set up Alex Tuck for a goal. Overall, Dave, uh, how do you think the uh, rookie did in his uh, debut? I thought he looked good. I think he's probably going to owe Alex Tuck a, uh, a steak dinner for staying on side somehow some way at the blue line and then finishing to get him his first point uh, i think even peyton krebs said today that he kind of thought that that was an offside play uh and then you know he went back and looked and i, I think they even said this on the broadcast too that that it actually was onside so you know good on alex tuck if uh if he was able to do that i thought it was offside but you know shoot what do i know um i you know i think for a first game especially just trying to you know, get adapted jumping from junior, which it's not so much him. It's more so, you know, the speed that you're playing at and having to make plays and decisions to all of a sudden having to do it at warp speed and doing it at NHL speed, you know, without a lot of practice or any practice, maybe we, we don't know 
certainly when we were on the road trip in Arizona, um, he wasn't there and he was called up to the taxi squad on Saturday. Uh, like right before the game, I think it kind of went through on the transaction wire and, and all that sort of deal. So we didn't see him in Arizona skating or practicing or anything like that. We don't know if he even took the ice or, you know, whatever other than, you know, a morning skate maybe on Monday. So for him to be able to jump in center, a third line, you know, produce with Alex Tuck and, and Yanmark and, or excuse me, not Yanmark, um, and Nick Waugh and those guys, I think for a first game and you want to try to temper, you know, the enthusiasm or the expectations or anything like that. But, you know, even Jonathan March so hinted at today in terms of depending on what he does sort of over these next six games, kind of over the, over this audition, you know, they expect him to potentially be a guy that, that helps them during this run in the playoffs. And, you know, if he's producing, you know, I put it this way, nothing against like Dylan Secura, um, Tomas Jericho, some of the other options that they have to bring up. But now that Peyton Krebs is an option, I mean, I'd rather have Peyton Krebs in there. At One Hour Air Conditioning and Heating, our trained comfort specialists are here to help improve the air quality of your home. So call 855-1HOUR or visit onehourair.com. Always on time or you don't pay Independently owned and operated. Licensed in their respective state or county. Your time is valuable, so we've built a seven-minute non-stop newscast that fits into your daily routine. I'm Jen Ah. Seven at Seven keeps you informed anytime, anywhere. Look for top stories, weather, sports and sports betting, business, lifestyle and entertainment. Get every bit of local news you need in seven minutes. Watch Seven at 7 a.m. and 7 p.m. Streaming nonstop 24-7 from the Las Vegas Review Journal on your mobile or smart TV. Yeah, that's going to be a fascinating decision for the Gold Knights because you have this uh, young guy, 20 years old, who's got so, so much potential and he showed it in so many different stops this year. I mean, the Knights are the fourth team he's played for, which is crazy to think about. Um, he played for Team Canada in the World Juniors, did very well there. Uh, then he played for the Silver Knights briefly, was a point-per-game player in the American Hockey League for about five games. Then because of kind of uh, you know CHL, NHL rules, he has to go back to Major Juniors. And the Winnipeg Ice, where he's been the captain for three seasons, uh, ends up having a, a phenomenal final junior season there. He leads the Western Hockey League in assists and points. He was actually just named uh, the WAHL's Player of the Month uh, for April uh, yesterday. And now, of course, he's a you know point-per-game player, one game, one point, in the NHL. Uh, but it does create a fascinating decision for the Knights. I mean, they had an opening kind of... Quasi, they still kind of, I think, jumped through some hoops to get him in there because, you know, Max Pacioretty was injured and not able to go yesterday. So they had at least some ice time available. But um, how kind of, you know, the contract stuff with Peyton Krebs works is that he's on his um, three-year entry-level deal right now, which is standard. And he can play in up to six games, regular season or postseason. They both count before he basically loses a year, it's kind of referred to as burning a year on that contract. So the Knights could play him in a couple games here with Pacioretty injured, and then when Pacioretty comes back, you know, take him out and kind of say, like, cool, good for you to get your feet wet 
We'll keep you around in case in case kind of anything happens. But other than that, you know, job well done, rest up. Or they could, you know, really give him a strong audition here and say, you know what, we think that he's at least going to help us push for the division and a Stanley Cup here, and we're leaving him in kind of, and we'll deal with the future and the fact that we have less one less year of team control uh, on him, you know, when we deal with it. Do you have a strong sense of the way that this is going to go yet, Dave, or do you think it's still kind of up in the air? Well, I think it's going to be up to him. I think it's going to be performance-based, and if he, you know, if he grabs hold of the job and doesn't let go and, and you know, to use the, the hockey phrase and the one Jonathan March so use, if, if you can't take him out of the lineup, you know, then you're off and running. I mean, you put him behind the wheel, you give him the keys, and and if he crashes, he crashes, you know. But if he's if he's off and running and whipping around the track, you know, to use a bad analogy, then, you know, you just you, – you, you let him go. Like I said, I mean, when you consider some of the other options that they're looking at, I mean, once everybody – this is the other thing too is, you know, we're getting close to Ryan Reeves being eligible at least to come off long-term IR. We haven't seen him skate or practice or anything like that yet. We haven't heard an update from Pete DeBoer yet as far as when he'll be ready to come off. But certainly Mark Stone wants him back based on his comments after the game about, you know, he thinks if, uh, you know, big old number 75 is out there, some of the chirping will uh, will quiet down. So, you know, you put him into the mix, you know, now that Colasar is back healthy, you know, if and when Pacioretty is there, then that bumps Yanmark down. Um, you know, Pete DeBoer's got a lot of options, but, you know, I, I can't say that they're, you know, appreciably better, like noticeably better than Peyton Krebs. I mean, if he produces, you know, why wouldn't you want a first-round pick in there who can provide some offense? You know, maybe, you know, keep up with Alex Tuck, uh, maybe center that line even, which which he did, in, at least listed and you know, at times was there. I mean, obviously we've seen the positional versatility that, you know, the Knights have used here lately with Tuck playing center and, and all of that sort of thing. But I think he's an option. And I think if you're looking at the contract stuff, you know, I, sometimes I feel like we make a little bit too much of a deal out of this whole, like, oh, burn the first year. And, and like, it's a bad thing or what, you know. Well, sometimes it's a good thing for the team. Like, if you're looking at it from that point of view, you know, Jack Dugan, look at Jack Dugan, how to like burn his, you know, the early year and, and all that. And then now he's going to go through like contract stuff based on, you know, playing in the AHL and never playing in the NHL. So his contract, he's got, you know, not a whole lot to really go off. You're looking at like a Zach Whitecloud type, you know, minimum contract type deal for him, you know? So to me, it's like you deal with it later, you know, Peyton Krebs, if he burns this first year, but he helps you win a Stanley cup. That's a fair trade-off as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, if that happens, no one's going to complain about uh, Peyton Krebs' contract, I would think, for a while. We'll see what happens, but uh, I want to turn our attention from uh, the youngest player on the Golden Knights roster uh, to the oldest, essentially, which, of course, is Marc-Andre Fleury. Uh, we're going to discuss something that you know may or may not happen tomorrow when the Knights play the Wild. We'll have to see, but... Marc-Andre Fleury uh, has 489 career wins as of right now. That ties him with Roberto Luongo for the third most all-time. 
The only people ahead of him are Patrick Waugh with uh, 551, and then Martin Brodeur, who has a ridiculous 691 career wins in the NHL. Um, I feel like it's almost become a little ho-hum to kind of discuss these career career milestones for Marc-Andre Fleury just because he's already moved up the leaderboard so much this season. We've written about it a bunch. Um, he's having a great year with a 23-10 and 10 record, a 2.08 goals against average, and a, a 9.26 save percentage. So there's been plenty to chew on there just about how good his game has been. And then obviously there's been so much else going on too with you know the team and the division race and how the playoffs set up and all like that. Uh, but when you sit down and I guess think about it, Dave, uh, how crazy is it that Marc Andre Fleury is about to, you know, potentially this season he'll have probably at least three more chances uh, to become the you know third winningest goaltender in NHL history? And it's a pretty phenomenal feat, especially when you think about you know where he was kind of at the start of this year, and you know the questions of how many starts would he get. Is he going to split time and all of that? What I think it's really done, and I don't know how many people kind of questioned the whole Hall of Fame thing, and I don't know that one year totally solidifies it, but I feel like when you move, you know, if and when he moves up to third here, I mean, that's a heck of a thing to have on the resume, you know, and I don't think second and Patrick was totally out of reach. Martin Brodeur at 691 would be. He'd have to play for a while, I think, to get there. Certainly, he enjoys the game. <laughs> Certainly, he's still having fun, as as we saw in, in, in Arizona. We'll talk about that in a second. Um, but, it, yeah, it, it's... I mean... I think back to his draft and the whole, the whole idea that there was going to be this goalie that goes number one overall. And I kind of remember a little bit, you know, his blunder in the world juniors and all of that. And just for him to be, I always loved the guys who were like the prodigies and not saying he was like the goalie prodigy per se, but you go number one as a goalie. That's, I don't know. That's pretty close. I always root for those guys, you know, Bryce Harper, LeBron, like I always want him to live up to it and not to quite put, Marc-Andre Fleury, like in those categories, maybe he was in Canada. I don't know. Maybe that is a fair comparison in that regard. But I I just think, you know, to have him start out the way that he started out in Pittsburgh and, and go to the AHL at times and struggle and then build them into, you know, the franchises essentially that they are now, to come here to basically do it all again. I mean, it's it's really, it's cemented his legacy and, and to be third with the other, uh, I think somebody mentioned it as French guys, which I hope that's okay to <laughs> kind of joke about because I think I think it's kind of funny. Um, but yeah, the whole notion that the top four now is all you know Quebec natives and that Marc Andre Fleury is number three, uh, you know, it, it's it's crazy to think that those guys could all come from one area, that one little kind of specialized you know, position in the game is sort of mastered, uh, I guess, in, in Quebec for some reason. It's cool. Yeah, it's really fascinating. Um, but yeah, you mentioned something that happened in Arizona. So I want to uh, share this quick story that I thought was interesting is that, you know, 
we're up in the press box. We're watching the Golden Knights warm up. And um, as Golden Knights fans who, you know, have attended games know what, you know, tends to happen and especially happened this year is Marc-Andre Fleury is always the last, you know, Golden Knight usually off the ice. And this year he's had a little routine with uh, Shea Theodore where Theodore will shoot a couple pucks on Fleury. And then at the end, he'll uh, flip up a puck for Flurry to kind of do a soccer-style header, and that's how they end warm-ups, and that's how it's like, all right, we're ready for the game. Um, but what's interesting is, you know, on the night that Flurry was starting against the Coyotes, there was, you know, an Arizona writer who came up to you, Dave, and, you know, people know it's normally like hockey tradition, especially at, like, morning skates. You know, whichever goalie is starting is, like, first off the ice. That's kind of the tradition. And so that's how you can usually tell who's starting. Well, obviously, Leonard is first off the ice for warm-ups because Fleury just stays on no matter what. So he can, you know, mess around with Theodore. And then we've seen him before do stuff where he, you know, turns around the net so that no one from the other team can shoot in it. Or he'll wait for, like, you know, the other team's forward to get off the ice because he doesn't want them to shoot on the empty net if he leaves early. And so the Arizona writer, I think, came up to you and asked basically, like, Flurry's starting, right? Because he's, like, still out there. He's still on the ice. And you're like, yeah, yeah, this is just kind of what he does. And, you know, it's one of those little things. But I also feel like that kind of little thing of Flurry's always on the ice. He's always sticking around, you know, messing around, having fun, finding ways to entertain himself out there. Also goes a long way to kind of explaining, you know, why he's hung around as long as he has. I think you have to. I mean, to do it as long as he has, to go through the grind, to go through the ups and downs, you know, the playoff struggles that that he had in his career after winning a Stanley Cup to then, you know, helping the the Penguins win two more Stanley Cups and coming to Vegas. You know, you you have to. It's, It's too hard. Like, I don't want to bring this into a Robin Leonard thing, but, you know, one of the things that he talked about, you know, when he kind of blasted the NHL was, you know, about the salaries and, and this and that. And, and, you know, I only bring it up because, like, you know, look, these guys are paid a lot of money. And Marc-Andre Fleury obviously has a $7 million salary cap hit. And, you know, his true salary is probably different than that. It's probably more than that, to be quite honest. But despite all that, you have to, you have to love it to – to go through all of this. Like there's a reason they're making a, a friggin' gold statue that they're giving away at the games of this guy, you know, and it's not just cause he made a diving save and it's not just because, you know, he's going to like time this perfectly. If he wins tomorrow, if he happens to be the starter and passes and then they're going to give it out, you know, when he's third all the time, like they couldn't have timed it better in that regard. And I'll give away a secret actually. So I'm going to write a story about this and, uh, a quick little snippet is uh, that those those figurines were actually supposed to be giving given away at the end of last season uh, for fan appreciation. And obviously with the pandemic and everything that happened, they weren't able to do that. They've been sitting on these things for a year and kept it quiet, uh, you know, and then managed to unveil these, you know, Marc-Andre Fleury gold figurines that everybody's going crazy for and, you know, are figuring out how they're going to steal and save money, you know, to get on eBay and all kinds of crazy stuff. Like what other, you know, like who else, uh, you know, but, but part of that is him and part of that is the smile and the attitude, you know, uh, I mean, like, look, 
I'm very self-aware and like, I don't, you know, I'll talk about this on, on the podcast for a quick second. You know, my personality is totally different. You know, I'm not the most outgoing and fun and like, you know, like rah, rah, rah type person. And Marc-Andre Fleury is like, you need people like, like him in your office, you know, in your group of friends, you know, around you. He's the guy, he's the kid that never wanted to leave the ice and always had fun and was flipping and flopping around trying to stop everything. And when he did, he thought it was like the greatest thing is cool. You know, like he probably can't dunk a basketball. He probably can't, you know, hit a, hit a home run at, you know, the ballpark or anything like that. But man, he, he can stop you trying to score. And he just absolutely loves it. He's just, he's so competitive about it. And, and that's his high. Like he even said it, like, what else am I going to do? That's going to bring me as much joy other than winning hockey games. So we'll see how long he goes, you know, we'll, we'll see how the Knights, you know, settle everything in the off season, how much the playoffs factor into that. But you know, to circle back and to answer the, the the question, the original point of all this, yeah, like he to to get to where he is to do it as long as you do it, or as long as he's done it, yeah, you absolutely have to love it to its core. Yeah, and to your point, like you know, he is getting well compensated for it, but I mean, being an NHL goaltender a lot of times is not a fun job. You have some incredible athletes throwing you know vulcanized rubber at you at speeds of like a hundred plus miles per hour and you just have to take it and hope it hits you where there's padding and sometimes it doesn't and that's obviously physically difficult and then there's also you know the mental side of it where you know like we talked about earlier in this podcast where robin leonard basically had to you know go to a podium last night and for five minutes kind of explained how he was really bad at his job last night. And, you know, he didn't have a good game. Like you said, I don't think the defense had a good game around him. There's plenty to go of blame to kind of go around. But, you know, Robin Leonard had to kind of sit there and just kind of explain, like, yep, wasn't very good last night. That's how it goes. And that's not exactly a fun part of the job either. But, uh, you know, Flurry's just one of those guys where, the highs for him are really enjoyable, and I think that kind of keeps him around. But he also finds, you know, as we were talking about here, so much kind of enjoyment out of the day-to-day stuff, which I think is really what what keeps him going. Um, the, he, I asked him, you know, a few weeks ago when they were in LA the, about the Brendan Lemieux thing in the warm-up. That, it's like that to me is like one of the quintessential things because. In the middle of like his explanation and his answer, as he's explaining how Brendan Lemieux shot, you know, like the night before, and it hit a bucket and it didn't go in, and like Flurry got like just the absolute biggest kick out of it. He thought it was the funniest thing, and so you know, as he's doing the goal and whatever, but the whole thing with the bucket just slays me, and I just think it's so Flurry that he can just find joy and find humor and entertainment and these smallest, you know, little things that happen in a hockey game. And, and, you know, you have to do that. That's, that's what keeps you going. And, you know, I, I don't think everybody is as good at that as him. And I think that's why he'll continue to play for probably another handful of years. Right. No. And we'll have to see it. I think it was uh, interesting, you know, and probably telling that, on the night that Marc-Andre Fleury was celebrating tying uh, Roberto Luongo for third 
you know, on the all-time list, uh, Ryan Miller, who's a you know longtime NHL goalie, is um, just shy of 400 wins, was enjoying, I believe, his last home game with the Anaheim Ducks because he announced that he is retiring after this season. And uh, Flurry took some time, unprompted, to just say at the end of his you know post-game press conference, "Hey, like I just want a quick shout out, Ryan Miller. I've always." Uh, appreciated competing against him and I wish him nothing but the best in retirement and I think that says a lot about Mark andre Fleury as well. Well I think we've said enough uh, for one podcast. Uh, thanks so much to everyone for listening to this week's edition of the Golden Edge podcast. As a reminder uh, please check out all our written work at reviewjournal.com and if you guys could rate, review, subscribe Whatever you would do to podcast due to this one, that would be much appreciated. As always, we are sponsored by One Hour Air Conditioning and Heating. We are presented by Blue Wire Podcasts. I'm Ben Goats. That's Dave Shane. We'll talk to you guys again real soon. One Hour Air Conditioning and Heating, our trained comfort specialists are here to help improve the air quality of your home. So call 855-1HOUR or visit onehourair.com. Always on time, or you don't pay Independently owned and operated. Licensed in their respective state or county. Please check out our new 7 at 7 newscast weekdays at 7 a.m. and 7 p.m. Get every bit of local news you need in seven minutes from the Las Vegas Review Journal.